Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. But hey, we are in the last week of Locally Grown, this series. Come on, hadn't it been a great series so far? I hope God's been speaking to you. I know he's been speaking to me. Pastor Mitch has been leading us through a kind of around this verse of John 15 and 8, where it says that this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're talking about living a productive life, producing things in our lives that last. And, and Pastor has talked about, you know, how every opportunity in your life is a garden. And that everything that God's given you and put in your hand, put in your hand, is a seed. And that you have to create an environment. Last week he talked about how you have to create an environment for those opportunities to thrive. What are you doing with what's been given to you? We've been, we've been talking about producing things in our lives that last and bearing fruit. And today, the question I want us to, to look at before we end this series is, is this, is what will you do when you find yourself in a season of waiting? You know, it's one thing to have the seeds. It's another thing to know that the opportunity is a garden. It's another thing to make sure that you have the environment for the seeds to flourish and to grow But what do you do when you put the seed in the ground and now you have to wait? What do you do when you have to wait? I know we live in a, uh, I mean, it's nice to be able to go to Home Depot or Lowe's or or Walmart and and buy a tomato plant that's already, you know, almost bearing tomatoes. And you just, you put it in the ground and you say you're a gardener. But it's another thing to be able to put a seed in the ground and then have to water it. And then go back the next day and water it. And then go back the next day and water it. And you always have to water it because there's no, never rain here. And so you're just watering it and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then one day, it finally produces fruit. You know, uh, the fruits of the Spirit, when it talks about it in, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, it says, But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right there between peace and kindness is this word patience. Now, whenever I told my wife, she asked what the topic was for this sermon, I told her patience. She literally laughed in my face. She said, you're going to be the one talking about patience. I've seen you on the highway. I've seen you with our our baby. You're going to be talking about patience. This is going to be good. I don't know if God's going to speak to anybody, but I know, I hope he speaks to you. I was like, babe, you need a, we had a, we had a prayer meeting later, but uh, yeah, we were, we're talking about patience because it's, it's one of those fruits of the Spirit, and we, we have to cultivate that in our life because there's going to be seasons where God speaks something into your life, but it's going to be a minute before he brings it to fruition. Patience, patience and waiting is hard, though, and, and often in the little things, it frustrates us so much, like waiting in traffic. If you're not from San Antonio and you move to San Antonio, it's a little frustrating it's a little frustrating when, you, when you're trying to merge onto I-10, and, and you kind of get this, it's not, it's not even a race. You know, in some cities, you have to, like, you have to just hit the gas and get on the highway, or else you're going to get run over. But in San Antonio, maybe other San, maybe San Antonio natives just have a natural-born patience, because they just kind of, they kind of slow down. You know, you're coming up, you're merging, and they slow down, and then you slow down, and you're just like, what are, are we just going to just stop here? Or who's going to get on the highway, and who's going to get off? But you got to have patience 
in traffic. And waiting in traffic just kills me. Or, or waiting in a line at the grocery store. Nothing worse than having to, I'm, a, I'm an online guy because I, I don't want to have to wait. We went to the grocery store yesterday. We went to the grocery store for a couple things. Came out with a whole cart full. Um, that's a different sermon for a different time when we talk about finances uh, and sticking to a budget. But waiting in the line, we're walking up to the line, and there's just crowds of people because we decided to go to the grocery store on a Saturday, and there's just everybody's there, and I'm just sitting there just thinking, which line to go to, which line? And my wife just finally grabs me in the arm and says, just stay in this line. It'll work out. Just stay in this line. But waiting in the line is frustrating or, or waiting for food. Have you ever been to a restaurant? And you just, you order your food, and you, you kind of look, and you're like, well, it's been a while. I don't know if they had to go, like, kill the cow and then bring it in or what. But waiting on your food is, is so frustrating. Or waiting, waiting, waiting in a waiting room at a doctor's office where you scheduled an appointment, but you still have to wait. And you're looking, I'm like, this is the appointment you made me schedule, but I'm waiting. And then waiting, you know, when you go back into the room and you wait on the doctor for some more. And I'm like, did y'all know I was coming? You made me schedule this appointment, but here we are waiting. And, and that's, that's all good, and, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny when we talk about these little things. But what about the big things in our life? What about when you're waiting, waiting on a job, when you're, when you're waiting on your career to take off, when you're, when you're waiting on that, that startup company to kind of finally catch some traction and, and take off? What, when, what if, when you're waiting for a wife, anybody? Anybody? Oh, there's a few. There's a few waiting on a wife. That was that was me for the longest time. Sometimes you just have to just just go on some dates. That that tend to help me. Whenever I decided, you know what, I'm actually going to be pro. Sorry, different sermon, different time. Maybe you're waiting on a spouse. Maybe maybe you're waiting for a child. Maybe you're waiting to buy that house. Maybe maybe you're waiting for that healing in your body. Maybe you, you're waiting for that loved one to to finally come to Christ. Maybe we're just waiting, but we live in this tension because sometimes we find ourselves waiting, but we live in a world that, that's wanting. It's a hurry-up world. We need it right now kind of culture. We find ourselves in this tension. I love, I love what David wrote in Psalms 27. He said this. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So I wait on the Lord. If I hadn't have believed, I would have lost heart. But I wait on the Lord because I believe. And I want us to know today, here's the big idea, is that I believe that your waiting is dependent upon your believing. What you believe in determines how you'll wait. Where you put your faith, where you put your trust, where you put your hope will determine how you live out this waiting season. You know, when it comes to a waiting season, if you've been around church, if you grew up in church, if you've been around just for a little bit, there's some terms that I like to call Christianese. There's just some terms that, like, if you didn't grow up in church, if somebody says it, you're like, that sounds weird. I mean, it sounds like you bought that on a, a bookmark at a Christian bookstore kind of thing. But uh, there, there's, this, there's this term that we often call a waiting season. It's, it's a desert season. You know, because deserts are bare. If you ever see a movie open up with... You know, it opens up in, the, in a desert. You know that there's going to be some crazy stuff happening because nothing good happens in a desert. It's dry. There, it, there's nothing there. And we, we, we feel like sometimes that's what it is in our lives. Is what we call it a desert season. And a desert season oftentimes in the Bible represents 
a disconnect from God. And all throughout the Bible, you'll see these stories, desert stories, where people are, are wandering the desert. They're, they're, they're seeking God, but they're, they're in a desert. But I want to remind you today that God spoke to Abraham in a desert. God spoke to Moses in a desert. God spoke to Isaiah in a desert. God spoke to Jesus in a desert. In fact, it was in the desert where they heard the voice of God. It was in the desert season that they heard the voice of God in their lives. Here's something that's really cool. is that the Hebrew word for desert that the, that the Bible uses for desert is called midbar. Now, if we were speaking Hebrew, I'm sure there would be a lot more spitting that goes with that. But the word is midbar. And the meaning of the word midbar is the, is the meaning is the place of the word. Desert literally means in Hebrew the place of the word. You know, I, I want us to, to take a moment and just realize that maybe we shouldn't be praying to be delivered from our desert, but praying that we'll hear the voice of God in our desert. Maybe God's trying to speak to you in this season. Maybe God's just trying to pump the brakes on your life just a little bit so he can connect with you, so he can speak with you, so he can input something into your life before you step into all the things that he has for you. It's kind of like this. I'll break it down because I love food. So it's kind of like this. It's, there's a difference between a microwave meal and a crockpot meal. There's a difference between a microwave meal ready, it's going to be out in just a couple minutes meal, and a crock pot meal. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Now, I don't know if you've ever tried to cook meat in a microwave. It doesn't usually turn out very good. It doesn't usually. Whenever I was uh, just out of high school, I don't know why, but I had this crazy idea to go to uh, college out in the middle of nowhere, West Texas, at Sol Ross, middle of nowhere. It's beautiful. Good for a vacation. Not so good for a 19-year-old kid. Um, but I, I remember I would come home. I didn't have a, a stove or anything like that to cook any food, and there's, like, no restaurants there. I mean, you drive, like, an hour, and you get to IHOP, and if you go too late, IHOP's actually closed. I thought IHOP's were, say, over 24 hours. I guess not in West Texas. And so I, I, I would come home, and we would, my mom would help me. She, we would ground up a bunch of ground beef, and then we would we'd kind of portion it out and put it in vacuum seal bags and vacuum it. And then, and then freeze it, and then I would take it back to school with me and I'd put it in the freezer. And then I'd pull it out, and I would actually make hamburger helper in the microwave. It was as gross as it sounds. But whenever you, whenever you live out in the middle of nowhere and there's no good options, you just do what you got to do. But now there's something different about cooking food in the microwave and a crockpot meal. You know, a microwave is quick. It's quick. You just, you just poke a couple holes. You got to poke the holes. Let it vent. Let it vent. You put it in there for a couple minutes. You take it out halfway through. You got to peel back the film. You got to stir it. You got to make sure you stir it. Because if you don't stir it, it's going to be a block of ice in the middle. And so you got to kind of chop up that ice and then kind of move it around to the outsides. And then you put it back in. You got to make sure you cover it or it'll dry out. So you got to put it back in. And then you got a meal. It's just a few minutes. You got a meal. It's ready. What else did you want? You want it? You want it? Here it is but a crockpot meal. When Megan pulls out that crockpot in the mornings and she pulls out that roast and she pulls out the, the peppercini peppers and, and, and she pulls out the ranch packet and I know Mississippi roast is coming in the evening. But it takes a minute. It takes a little bit of time. But over time, you start to smell, it starts to, 
Ooh, I'm getting hungry right now just thinking about it. It's just the, the aroma in the house. If you just step out for a few minutes and you come back in and you start to smell it, oh, it's so good. It's so much better than a microwave meal. But it takes a little bit of time. It, it takes just a little bit of time to get that goodness. And see, I want to show you in the Bible the difference between Saul in the Bible, the King Saul and, and King David, is that in the Bible you'll see that Saul was wanting something and David was waiting for something. Saul was wanting things to happen. He was, he was moving on his own. He was, he was moving out on his own, but David was waiting on what God had promised him. So we'll look at this. Saul in 1 Samuel, he, he was king, and he was wanting to go to battle. And he, he was rushing into battle. It wasn't time. He wasn't, it wasn't ready, but he, was, he rushed into it. He said, I'm just going to take matters into my own hand, and we'll see it in Saul, uh, Samuel uh, chapter 13. He said, it says, he waited seven days for the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. They began become impatient. So, so he said, bring me the burnt offerings. Bring me the, the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offerings. And just as he finished making the offerings, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. And he said, what have you done? What have you done? You need to understand in the context of this time is that kings weren't supposed to make the sacrifices. They weren't supposed to bring the offerings to the Lord. It was only meant to be done by the priests and the prophets. And so, so Saul just got impatient, and he said, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to put the offerings. And Samuel shows up, and he says, what have you done? You have done a foolish thing. You have not kept the commands of the Lord that the Lord gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands. You see, Saul couldn't wait. Saul took matters into his own hands. He knew God had called him into a battle, but he didn't want to wait on God's instruction on how to get into the battle. He wanted to do it on his own. He, Samuel actually asked him, he said, why did, why did you do that? And he said, I felt compelled most of the time in a waiting season, if we're not careful, we'll feel compelled to take matters into our own hands. We'll feel compelled to step out on our own. We'll feel compelled to tell them what we really think instead of letting God work it out. We'll feel compelled. And, and, and as Saul rushed into this, it cost him his kingdom. As Saul rushed into battle, took it into his own hands, it cost him his kingdom. And I want to tell us today, I want to tell you today that, that when you rush into something, you're risking losing something. You're risking. It comes with a cost when you rush into things. When you rush. We've all been there when you rushed into something and you thought, oh, I should have waited. I should have waited. I remember one time, I don't know if I should tell you this as, as, as a pastor, but I'm a, I, I really like Justin Timberlake. I'm a big fan, always been a big fan. In middle school, NSYNC was a big deal. Um, so I had the, the frosted tips. Let's pull them to the cap. I had the puka shell necklace. I actually did go through a season where I straightened my hair. It was, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. It was good. It was back in the early 2000s, that was the thing. I was trying to be trendy. But I, I really liked Justin Timberlake, and he was coming to town, and uh, I really wanted tickets. I really wanted tickets, but I, I just couldn't find them anywhere. And so I, um, 
I, I looked all over the place. I went to Facebook Marketplace. I went to, you know, all the ticket exchange things you could find. And I just couldn't find them anywhere. And I was like, the concert's coming up. I got I to gotta get them. I got to get them. I got to get them. So I went to Craigslist. Yeah, I know. Um, just if, you, if you're wondering, Craigslist is not a thing anymore. Don't go. If you're looking for something, Craigslist is not the place to go looking. You're going to find something you did not want. Um, but I went to Craigslist. I thought, you know what, but this guy, he's not trying to email me something. He's not trying to, to text it to me. He's actually going to meet me face-to-face and give me the tickets. And so I remember, because it's burned in my mind, I went to North Star Mall and met him at the Starbucks there. And um, I should have known there was something up. Because, I mean, he was a white dude in a tracksuit. And I was like, you know, white dudes in a tracksuit, that didn't, it's never really, it's never really a good thing. And so um, I just pushed forward. I said, no, I want these tickets. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And he, he went on this explanation about how he had worked for Ticketmaster for a while. And if you look on this part of the, the ticket, you know, it's, that shows that it's authenticated. It's good. And I'm, I'm, this is, you're good. And I was like, okay, cool. Sounds good. So I got the tickets. We went to the concert and uh, show up. And fortunately, I was there with my sister. I was still single at the time. So I didn't have anybody to be embarrassed with. You know, I wasn't on a date or anything. It was my, that was a shame. I don't know why I told you that because that's, <laughs> fortunately the Lord provided and I am married, but, um, but we show up and we, I pull out the tickets and I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been pumping in sync and in old Justin Timberlake all day. I'm ready to go. And, and they scan the tickets and it says error. And I was like, no, I think it's your thing. You just scan it again. It's paper. Maybe it's a little wrinkled. Just. And they scan it again. They're like, sir, I think, I don't, did you try to check in earlier? Like, did you already go in? Did it maybe messed up? And I was like, I think it's, you know, look, if you see, there's this little thing, and that authenticates it. That's what the guy told me. And um, they're like, sir, I really think these, I think you got, I think you got ripped off. And so I went to Will Call, and, and they were like, sure enough, sir, you did get, did you pay a lot for these? Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted the guy to have his money because he couldn't go, and and I got ripped off, but fortunately, long story short, just so you know the end of the story, somebody did end up giving us some tickets that worked for, actually worked for Ticketmaster, and we sat right behind, like, Patty Mills and some really cool people. That's a Spurs player, just in case you didn't know. Um, and so, so we had really had good tickets, but I got, I rushed into it. I wanted something so bad, and instead of just kind of waiting and making sure that things were right, no, I, I rushed into it, and I said, no, 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 this is what I want, and I, I just reached out, and I went for it. And it cost me something. You see, you know, thou, while Saul was wanting, David was waiting. While Saul was wanting it and taking it into his own hands, David was waiting. You may have heard the story of how, how David got anointed. Uh, Samuel, Samuel, the Lord comes to Samuel and he says, hey, go down to Jesse's house. You'll find one of his sons there. And he is who I've chosen to be the leader of my nation, of my kingdom." And so, so Samuel goes to the house, and he brings out all the sons. You know, you know the story. They're all good looking. And he says, no, not him. I know he's got big biceps. He does a, yeah, no, not him. That's not, that's, he looks like a king, but he's not. And so just, do you have any other sons? And then he, Jesse brings out David. He goes and gets him from the, the fields, shepherding sheep, and he brings out David. And in 1 Samuel 16, it says this. It says, And then Samuel took his horn of oil and anointed him 
in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. The Spirit of the Lord rushed on David. Now, when you hear that story and you hear how the Spirit of the Lord rushed on David, he was anointed. He had this massive encounter with God. God God imparted something into him and told him his destiny, told him what he had for him. You would think David would go straight from that moment straight to the throne. But no, the only rushing that happened was David went back out to the sheep. David went right back out to the field where he had been. David went right back out to to shepherding sheep, back to just the normal stuff. And we need to understand that oftentimes when we have an anointing experience, we have an encounter with God where God speaks to you, where God tells you something, where maybe you feel like God is going to move in a situation, we still have time to wait for our appointing. We still have time. You know, we've been anointed. God spoke into your life, but there's some time that God needs to work some things out in your life. So, in our remaining time, I want to give you three things that we can learn from David's waiting. Three things we can learn from David's waiting. First, in David's waiting, it reveals preparation. It reveals preparation. You see, David wasn't ready for the role yet. He had been anointed king, but he wasn't ready to be king. At that point, David, all he knew was how to shepherd sheep. All he knew was he was the youngest, he was the youngest child, and he probably just got whatever he wanted because that's what the youngest children usually get. It's whatever they want. Y'all are all young children. I'm sorry. But as the oldest, you get away with everything, okay? You get away with everything. But David wasn't ready. He wasn't prepared. You know, in the waiting season of David's life, in the waiting season of David's life, he took down lions and bears. He learned how to defend his sheep, which led him to taking down a, a giant. And learning how to perform on a battlefield. And then, then he learned how to handle family rivalry and how to handle people in conflict resolution. He learned, he learned how to handle that. He learned the rules of the palace. He, he learned, he learned by, by serving Saul, he learned how the palace operated, how the kingdom operated. And then he learned how to gather people and make armies. There was a season in David's life where he was on the run. And and the Bible talks about how there would be these wanderers and and these drifters. And David would take them and make an army. David had so much to learn. And he took this season and he became prepared. Maybe in the waiting, in your waiting season, God is preparing you for what's coming next in your life. I just want to tell you that maybe in this season, God is is preparing you for what's coming next in your life. It's, it's, like, it's like, you know, right now we live in a digital world, so you can take your picture and you can have it right there. My parents always ask me this with a baby. They're like, why? why y'all, y'all need to do a photo shoot. And I'm like, I take pictures of the kid all day. Why do I need to do a photo shoot? Why do I need to pay somebody? But there's something special about taking the time, taking that film, like old school, just into that, that, that dark room and, and going through the process of developing the film and then bringing out the final product. And I want to implore to you today that, that maybe God is using this season just to develop you, to prepare you, because he has something greater for you. I heard it say, heard it say this way before, that if, you're not, if what's inside of you can't sustain you, then what's on you will crush you. Maybe God's trying to put something inside of you that will hold up in the next season of your life. The second thing is that, that it produces a reliance on God. David's waiting produced a reliance on God. 
And all, all throughout the story of David, you'll hear this term where, where David inquired of the Lord. Before he would go in battle, it says, David inquired of the Lord. He went to the Lord in prayer. He would set up, set up times where he would go into the temple and seek the Lord before he would go into a battle, before he would go and take ground. David would inquire the Lord. He, he had developed this reliance on God. But what happens when you, re, I want to ask you this, what happens when you inquire from God but you hear nothing? In a waiting season, maybe, maybe you'll inquire, you'll go to God, but you, but you hear nothing. And I, I would just say to that today that silence doesn't mean absence. The silence doesn't mean absence. Silence doesn't need searching. It doesn't need you to search for all the answers. Let me go find everything. No, silence needs seeking. God, silence, in a silent season, you need to seek God. You need to say, where, where, where you say, you need to take a moment where you say, I'm going to keep trusting I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep seeking after God in this season. You know that, that most of David's psalms, the book of Psalms that David wrote, most of those psalms were written in the silence of caves, caverns, and wilderness. It was in the middle of a silent season that David would have a revelation of God that would sustain him through his reign as king. When, when you're in a waiting season, maybe, just maybe, God is developing, developing an intimate reliance on him. Maybe God's wanting to develop something in you. I remember, I remember being in Bible college and, um, you know, Jordan and Taylor and Brody and Julie, they went to Bible college in Alabama. I'm all for Alabama. My fam, half of my family's from Alabama. I'm Roll Tide, by the way, so Roll Tide. I know that was not going to win over a lot of people, but I thought maybe it would wake you up. And uh, I remember being in the season. I went to Bible college. They went to Bible college in Alabama. I went to Bible college in, in Australia. So it's definitely more spiritual. Nobody in here likes Australia. <laughs> but anyway, I, I went to Bible college there, and I remember when you go to Bible college in another country, it sounds amazing. You're going to be on the beach. You're going to get to do this. Maybe you'll go to the Great Barrier Reef. Maybe you can see the Sydney Opera House, except for the fact you're broke. You're an immigrant in another nation. You can't work half the time, and, and, and so you just have no money, and you're broke. And I remember in that season crying out to God and going after God for, like, literally, God, I need you to provide. Like, literally, I, like, my bank account is, is nothing, and I don't know how I'm going to eat. And I can't go over to my mom and dad's house because that would cost a couple grand just to go back to my mom and dad's house. So you're either going to have to provide a plane ticket home or provide here. And I remember in that season developing a reliance on God so that, so that in seasons where God it leads me to something and I don't know all the answers, I know God's going to provide. I can seek after God. I can keep going after God. And he'll give me that peace that goes beyond all understanding. Maybe that's what God is wanting to do in this waiting season of your life. And the third thing that we can learn from David in this waiting season is that God shows his faithfulness. That this season showed God's faithfulness in David's life. Did you know it was 15 years from that moment that Samuel anointed David until the time he became king? It was 15 years Fifteen years, I can guarantee you there was times where he was wondering on the backside of a hill somewhere with sheep, wondering, God, you told me I was going to be king, and all I'm doing out here is, is sleeping with sheep. Like, I'm just sleeping in a field 
with sheep. I, I can guarantee you there was moments where, where he was in the palace serving the king and saying, God, but you told me I was going to be king. How am I supposed to serve this guy? I can guarantee you there was moments, but it was, it was 15 years before God came through. You know that, that Sarah waited 25 years before Isaac was born? God gave Sarah the vision that she was going to have a child, and it was 25 years before Isaac was born. After Joseph had, had a dream, he waited over 20 years before he saw his family again. After Moses failed to free his people from Egypt the first time, he, he waited 40 years before God spoke to him again. You know that Paul, the apostle Paul that wrote the majority of our New Testament, when he had his Damascus road experience where he encountered God, he waited 10 years before being commissioned by the church. You know, in the midst of your waiting, we need to learn that our God is faithful. We need to learn that, that he is faithful to his promise, that he, he is faithful over your life. So don't get, don't get tired in this season. Hebrews 10 says it this way. It says, don't, I mean, let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And I'm standing here today to tell you he is faithful. He's gonna come through. He's gonna move in your situation. I believe that we serve a God that would never leave you or forsake you. That his promise is yes and amen, but you just might have to wait. So let's produce some patience. Let me encourage you with this as we close. It's Galatians 6 and 9. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. In the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I wanna tell you today, don't give up. We live in a world that is, it's an epidemic of quitting. Over the last few years, you've heard of, of rage quitting. Now you have of quiet quitting. People just kind of quitting on their careers, quitting on their calling and saying, I'm out. I throw my hands up, I'm just, I'm just giving up on this. And I wanna tell you today, don't give up because it's at the proper time. It's at the proper, not our time, but the proper time that God's gonna come through. I wanna tell you it's worth it. God's moving in your situation. So keep waiting, keep producing patience. If you planted the seed, keep working the seed and God's gonna bring it out in your life, amen? Amen, okay. All across the house, would you bow your heads? Let's go to God in prayer in this moment. Maybe you find yourself in that, in that waiting moment. Maybe God spoke to you. Maybe, maybe he gave you a hope and a dream for a, for a business. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're waiting on that spouse. Maybe you're waiting on a child. Maybe, maybe you're waiting for healing in your body. But just because you're waiting doesn't mean that God's not good. It doesn't mean that God's not faithful. It doesn't mean that he's not a healer. It doesn't mean that he's not a provider. It just means it's not the proper time. So in this moment, I just want to pray over you. Would you just put your hands out and let me, let me say this prayer over you. God, I know you're here in this place. Where your word says that where two or three are gathered, God, that you 
would be in our midst. And I know you are here today, and I know you're speaking to us today. And I pray, God, that that your word would sit on our hearts, that it would encourage us to know, God, that you're just working something out in our lives because you you have something greater for us. I pray pray that you would meet us right here in this moment. I pray, pray that you would meet these the person that's sitting there waiting for you to, to you for you to fulfill the thing you anointed them with, that you anointed them for. I pray that you would move in this season, God. Give us, give us courage and boldness to walk out of here knowing that you're in control, that you're working on our behalf. And we believe all of that today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, would you put your hands together and give God a praise? Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.